They're working so hard. And, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's an honor to be around those guys. Happy Father's Day for the third time from my mouth. Um, I want to speak to you this morning for a few minutes on God chose a father for his son. Guys, can't remember the numbers, but I was reading something in a book just the other day that polled X number of men this question. As a father, are you replaceable by either your wife or another man? The results were astounding. Handily, without question, the men answered, yes, I am replaceable by either my wife or another man. That's the role that men, fathers, fear uh, feel in this society today. Can't, I wish I had the numbers. I don't know that it would matter. Just know that um, I just read that the other day. Yeah, I'm replaceable. Men, uh, fathers, feeling as though in this day and age that they are utterly and completely replaceable. The interesting thing is God chose a father for his son. So the reality is that really, if the truth be told, dads, you are not replaceable by your wife or another man. You've heard those statistics of that poll that was taken. Uh, George Barna and the Barna Group, huge polling establishment. Um, you've heard statistics like this for years about the percentage of children in a family who attend church if the father attends only and the mother doesn't, or if they both attend sporadically, or if the mother only uh, attends and the father doesn't. You've heard those statistics. I wish I had my stats right here right now. I don't have them. But the reality is that when Barna chose to do that particular poll, the outcome or the, the, the point of the poll was what makes uh, successive generations follow in religious practices? What is the thing that makes successive generations in a given family unit follow after the religious practices of, of those who establish them. And with all of those numbers that came out in just various permutations, the absolute, concrete, piano-wire Reality of all of those numbers was simply this. And Barna said it was, the results were, his word, dynamite. It was absolutely amazing, simply this. Fathers, listen carefully. If you attend church, whether your wife does or does not, I believe the number is 80% of children whose father attends church regularly, whether his wife attends or not, 80% of the children will follow in those religious steps. If the father attends 
intermittently. It is between two-thirds and three-quarters of the offspring will follow. The point is this, ladies, this is by no means any kind of a, a slight or some jaded perspective. But the bottom line is, you can't do the job the Father can. That is by design. It's polling, statistics, prove it outright. And girls, here's the nice thing about that. You're not supposed to do what the Father's supposed to do. You're not even designed to do it. Are there exceptions? Absolutely. Are there single women that successfully bring up children in Christ and to be successful people not falling prey to the social ills of our society? Absolutely. But as a whole, the reality is simple. God designed the Father to fulfill the earthly place He does in the heavenlies and on a spiritual context. There is, despite what the Catholics may believe, there is no mother. Okay, I would give anything if this was a hard floor and I had a pin to drop it on. Now, maybe that's not politically correct to say that the guy thing and the girls. Now, I want you to look at me, and I'm saying this as a shepherd, out of all love. All love. I don't care if that's politically correct or not. I'm not in politics. I work for the kingdom of God. And the reality is when... Everything winds up on this earth. I don't answer to the body of Christ. I answer to Him and Him alone. So, with that said, that's, that's kind of how I slant myself. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to answer to Him, so I'm going to do that, alright? God chose a father for His son. So dads, guess what? You're awful important. You are awfully important. You're irreplaceably important. Matthew, the first chapter. We're going to begin in the 18th verse of Matthew 1. We're going to read through verse 25, and then we're going to jump over to Matthew chapter 2. But we're going to read all this scripture, and then we're going to proceed. beginning in the 18th verse of, verse of Matthew chapter 1. The Bible says this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord uh, had commanded him and took Mary home with as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, jump to the 13th verse of the second chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to read again all the way through verse 23, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 2, book of Matthew. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then, what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in the dream, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that uh, Archelaus was reigning in Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Well, Merry Christmas. Today, contrary to our text, today is Father's Day. We can't even say it's Christmas in July. We're not there yet. I want to speak to you about a man speak to you about a father who is very overlooked. I think in some quarters he is overshadowed simply due to the prominence given to his wife. Talking about Joseph, the husband of Mary, and the adopted father of Jesus. I don't think, and I don't know, I can't recall ever having heard a preaching, a sermon specifically about Joseph, uh, I may have and simply forgotten it, but this morning, if you've never heard Joseph preached on specifically, here you go. Now you can say you have. But I, despite the fact, I think it's significant that even as God chose Mary to be the one whom he gave, who gave birth to the Son of God, I think it's really, really imperative uh, that in his mighty providence he chose Joseph to be the father to Jesus and to raise him into manhood. Now I realize, and it goes without saying, that Mary takes most of the press. 
Joseph gets about mm, that much. And we accept him as being present. We accept him as a biblical character. We accept him as an entity in the life of Jesus Christ. But let's be honest. Mary's the diva. Mary and Joseph were chosen together. They were chosen together. There was a film that uh, came on TV some years ago, and what I mean by some years ago was like 17-ish years ago, and it was one of those overwhelmingly, depressingly sad movies that women love to watch, and they force their husbands to sit down and watch with them, and while the process is going on, and we're watching this this unbelievably, depressingly sad movie, we're sitting there literally counting ceiling tiles or something akin to it. We're looking out the window, hoping and wishing we were at the national grass-growing competitions because there would be more excitement there. And she is completely ensconced in this sad, sad movie, completely laying waste to the largest box of Kleenex manufactured by the company. And when the, when the movie is all done, and we are getting in trouble for snoring and drooling on the couch, the wife says, that was so sad. Wasn't it just wonderful? You've heard about the book that the doctor over in England wrote about everything a man knows about a woman, right? It's a huge volume. It's mammoth. You open the book, it's completely empty. There's not a word or an illustration of one. It's genuinely a spectacular work. But in this particular film, which was entitled, Who Will Love My Children? Does anybody know that film? Wow, that one made an impression. The story tells of a poor family, hard-working parents um, with a large number of children. We don't know anyone like that. Where the woman discovers that she has an incurable illness and she's got about 12 months to live. That's all she's got. Her husband is a good man. Good man, hard-working. But he is completely incapable of looking after this large number of children alone. And I think it exceeded ten kids. Particularly in those days, he wasn't going to be able to handle this task once she was gone. Because the reality was that there's no government assistance. There's no social security. There's nothing. And, and so she went about trying to find uh, uh, parents to love her children in the year she had left. She went about traveling around trying to find parents, households that would take in her children before she was gone because she was doing her dead level best to make sure that her children were taken care of in her absence. Now, after I gave you all of that, ladies, if you intend on going and trying to find this movie, number one, there's two things that you need to do. Number one, spare your husband. Number two, 
It's near the frozen food section that Walmart has the great big things of Kleenex. Okay, just go back there. But this film, this film where this woman seeking parentage for her children kind of makes me think about the birth of our Lord and our Savior. Just like that woman who loved her children so much that she wanted to personally choose parents for them and not leave it to chance, Father God Himself in the same way went looking for parents to raise His beloved and only begotten Son. He searched the world over and... I'm sorry, I went there. He searched the earth. Who didn't hear hee-haw coming up there? Why didn't anybody hear the hee-haw? Wow, you... It's too late now, Bill. I'm sorry. He searched earth. He found a young girl, teenager, engaged to be married, of whom the Bible says she, quote, found favor with God, end quote. She was a choice young lady, God-fearing young woman. But note, God also went looking for a father. He called Mary and Joseph as a couple. And here's the point of it all. God clearly demonstrates for us that the role of the Father is a most important one. I want to dive off into the feminization of our society in recent years. I want to dive off into, the, into the, uh, how society is marginalizing men, going so far as to say that masculinity is a toxic presence. I want to go off into that, but I'm not, because I think I already offended a few of you about eight, ten minutes ago. Remember, I said who I work for? Y'all are not in the mood to laugh at all today, all right? Are you just tired? Is it the rain that moved in? What is it? Surely, with this shirt on, I'm not that boring. Surely. But the reality is, the role of fathers cannot, should not, and in this house will not be diminished. For God, in choosing parentage for His Son, selected not only the one who gets all the press, the mother who bore the Son of God, but He also chose a couple which included the Father. Women were never designed to teach masculinity. Women were never designed to teach a boy what it is like to be a man. That's not a diss. That's creation. Now, if you're not a creationist, gee, sorry, I got nothing for you. But if you are a creationist, please believe That God made who He made on purpose and intentional. And fathers are absolute requirements in the idea or the concept of raising up children. If it's a boy, they need to see masculinity. If it's a girl, she does too. Because she needs the right model with which to go into the world with so she doesn't make the mistake of the countless fatherless women in this world. Yeah, that's all in my notes.
Fathers are not only needed for the physical act of conceiving a child, but they are also needed for the spiritual act of raising a child. The child was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Ghost. So, by extension, a miracle took place so that there was no need for a man under those circumstances. But a man was still needed to fill the role of father in Jesus' childhood. I remember one time someone came to us, us meaning my wife and I, about a child that they had. And there was a situation involving discipline. And uh, I just remember passing on the information that if you're going to raise children, you have got to show the child, whether male or female, what it is, what it is, and what picture you are to expect when it comes to manhood. It just was the case. It is the case. You know, guys, it's a funny thing today, fathers. Do yourselves a favor. If, if you're a father and you have girls... The only time I have girls in my house is when there are spiders. The rest of the time I have sons. He's thrilled with me right now. You have girls in your house. Make sure. Make sure. That they understand. This is what a man is supposed to be, and show them that in your life and your living. Okay, just 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 do that because the last thing you want, because you know God was favorable to me, God was a blessing to me. He did not give me daughters. I would be a disgusting, dripping pool of mess if I had a daughter. She would undoubtedly be the bad guy all the time. I'm like, come here, baby. But they need to understand what it is, that God designed men and women differently. Okay, I'm going to move on because I think I'm going down a rabbit trail. Um, Man was still needed to fill the role of father in Jesus' childhood. Now, let me stop here, pause. Uh, This is actually in my notes. I'm not rabbit trailing. Let me say a word to single parents here today. Don't despair that in light of the fact that the Bible established that two parents are the ideal. It is the will of God. It is how he designed it. And that's the way things are supposed to function. Don't despair if you are a single parent that your child is beyond hope because for one reason or another, they're their their uh, father or their mother is gone. That is simply not the case. And if you want to know why that's not the case, just hear Psalm 27 and 10. It's a brief statement, but it's fact. Though my father and mother forsake me, yet the Lord will take me up. Okay? God is gracious. God is restorative. God is life, and He is life-giving, and that's what the way that's that's the way He operates. If things Uh, And we live in a broken world. Amen? And if things get broken in the parentage uh, neighborhood, then God is still able to take up the child. Nevertheless, the normal pattern is for children to be raised with a father and a mother. 
and those single parents I know will testify to the multiple difficulties um, when one parent is gone. Single parents, I salute you. God bless you for your diligence and for your dedication to your children. So, Joseph was chosen. And just as God had overlooked or had looked for a godly young woman to bring forth the child, he too looked for a godly man to be that self-same child's father. And what an inspiring model of fatherhood Joseph was. God made a good choice, I dare say. Let's look together for just a few more minutes. I'm going to try not to rabbit trail anymore. I'm not making promises. I did use the word, I'm going to try not to rabbit trail. Uh, For a few minutes, we're going to look at some things the Bible tells us about Joseph. Firstly, let's note that Joseph was a loving man. The Scriptures draw the picture for us uh, of a wonderfully caring and affectionate man. And we can see this, firstly, in his relationship toward Mary. Look at Matthew 1 and 19. Let me get over there. Oh, we're already over there. We're right here. That'll work. Now, I want you to hear this, and please keep it in context 1 and 19 of Matthew says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. He hasn't uh, had any great revelation yet. the, The Spirit of the Lord, the angel, has not shown up yet. He just finds out that Mary is pregnant. What is he to think? Guys, what would you think? You've fallen in love with this beautiful girl. You do all the right things. You pursue her in the proper, customary way. In stolen moments, you discuss with her about dreams for future together. A cottage with nice little white picket fence. A family. Maybe even a business. And then out of the blue, you learn that this sweet girl or someone who you thought was a sweet girl is pregnant, newly pregnant. This has happened like, yeah, right now, pregnant. And you don't know who the father is. And the only individual that you can rule out as a potential father is the one guy that you know didn't do it. You! So how do you feel? Where are you at when you find this out? The cartoon world comes to life when the steam comes out of the ears. The face literally turns bright red. What do you do? You feel angry? Yeah. You feel betrayed? I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't got past angry. The penalty for adultery in the Old Testament was death by stoning. Lots of times today, girls get pregnant because they got stoned before they got pregnant. Which in and of itself is a huge problem. And this penalty applied to infidelity during betrothal as well as marriage. But now, by the New Testament times, uh, things had changed somewhat. But we even know that in the book of Acts, Stephen is stoned. But the matter was still treated as a very grave offense. Upon discovery that Mary was pregnant, Joseph would have been obliged to divorce her. Now, divorce was required, even in a betrothal situation. 
And this would expose Mary to public shame and humiliation. But even before God had spoken to Joseph about what was going on with Mary, Joseph didn't have any vengeance or bitterness in his heart according to the Scriptures. He wasn't in that mode. He wanted to still, in this, what he thought was an act of betrayal, still take care of her quietly and privately. The Bible said he was, quote, minded to put her away secretly, end quote. Now, there were ways which you could do that quietly without involving a judge and so on, and Joseph was considering the best way to do this. But that's the thing. Joseph was kind. He loved Mary. Forget the Harlequin romance novels. This wasn't what was going on. This was real love. This was a real love story. It's based on a real commitment. And husbands, the Bible says to us today that we must love our wives with all that we have. Go on over here to Ephesians. We all know this verse. Husbands, Ephesians 5 and 25. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That was what Joseph was doing to the best of his ability. The example is that we must love our wives sacrificially, even as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for it. Joseph was a loving man toward Mary. But we also see that Joseph was a loving man in his relationship toward this adoptive son, Jesus When the child came along, the child he had not conceived, there was no attitude in Joseph that we even find a hint about in the Scriptures that, quote, this boy isn't my flesh and blood, end quote. There was no resentment or or indifference about him. No lack of love at all. Joseph adopted Jesus as his own. He protected him from the hatred of Herod. He nurtured him and cared for him. Evidently, he taught Jesus his own trade in carpentry. He adopted the one that the rest of the world rejected. I dare say he did a good job of being a father. Today, by contrast, we see men who are prepared to abdicate the role uh, even toward their own children, the role of fatherhood. Men are opting out of the father role because of its costs. They don't mind the conception role. They just don't want to be the father because it costs too much. Do you know what the Bible says? 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Joseph was a loving man. That's the first thing that is clear. Secondly, Joseph was a... I'm sorry, I think I just... Passed over something. I'm pretty sure my notes just got out of the way. No, I think I'm okay. So Joseph was a loving man. I kind of got myself turned around there. So he did the things that he was supposed to do despite the fact that that boy wasn't his biologically. That's a big deal. How many of you have ever heard God tell you something and that something, maybe crystal, maybe that something was outlandish? Like, oh, I'm sorry, your betrothed wife, she's pregnant, but it's by the Holy Ghost. Oh, okay, I'm cool with that. Has God ever told you something that you believe, but walking it out in front of others might be a little tough? Joseph did it with class. 
Joseph did it with style, and he did it like a father. So he was a loving man. That's the first thing that's absolutely clear. Secondly, Joseph was a devout man. He was a man who obeyed God. He explicitly followed the Lord's leading and direction. He didn't follow his own marked out plan for life. Remember the picket fence? The little house on the prairie? Laura Ingalls lives next door. Business? Carpentry. We're going to build furniture. He wanted God's plan for his life. So when God spoke to him in a dream and told him that Mary, to marry Mary, he obeyed. Then God spoke to him and said this, said, take Mary and Jesus and flee to Egypt for safety. And he said, but, 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 but no, he obeyed immediately. He closed up his business and he left town. Then when God said, it's okay now, let's head back to Israel. What did Joseph do? Again, he did exactly what he was directed to do. And he was a man of obedience. For another thing, he was a man of faith. It takes faith to pack your bags and head off into a foreign country with no prospects and absolutely no planning. Simply on the basis that God said so. Remember, we are dealing with a woman on the donkey who loves security. Amen, sisters? And they did so by night. He had faith and obeyed the dream. He could have made excuses to stay where the prospects looked good, but no, not Joseph. He was a man of faith. Fathers, here this morning, your faith will speak to your children, says the women. The amens were the women. Okay, let me try this one more time. Fathers, your faith will speak to your children. Okay, there's some lower voices there, thank God. Raise them in an environment that despite the difficulties, despite the crises, despite the trials, raise them in an environment that looks from the crisis, from the trial, to the Father. Raise them there. Keep them there. There's a story of a farmer who had toiled over a bumper crop of grain, a badly needed crop of grain. It was going to pay off a lot of his creditors and secure the family for another year. It was needed badly. But just a few days before it was due to be harvested, a freak storm, wind and hail, ravaged the property, and the harvest was utterly lost. The man stood with his little boy looking over the fields, destroyed uh, the fields of destroyed grain the boy expected to hear his father cursing in despair i can just see the boy looking up at dad and dad morphs into uh, yosemite sam i can just see it okay no more jokes y'all don't appreciate them at all but instead his dad didn't curse his dad began to softly sing, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in Years later, the boy, grown into manhood, said this. That was the greatest sermon I ever heard. 
His father had shown him faith where the rubber meets the road. You ever do that, Dad? Joseph was leaning on God. He was a man of faith. Oh, and there's another thing. He was also a man who was faithful in his spiritual duty before the Lord. He set an example for his family going to the temple, attending the feasts. If you read Luke chapter 2 and verse 41, it says this. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. He was, re- he was regular in going to God's house. Did you happen to hear the one about the little boy who was playing on a Sunday morning while his dad was on the lounge chair reading the paper? And the father said, son, get yourself ready for Sunday school. The little boy asked, are you coming today, dad? The man replied, no, I'm not coming, but I want you to hurry up and get ready to go. The little boy then said, did you used to go to Sunday school when you were a boy, dad? The man said in great earnest, I most certainly did. To which the boy, walking away, muttered to himself, yeah, and I'll bet it won't do me any good either. Our kids are watching our faithfulness, well, his faithfulness, my faithfulness. They're watching us, guys. And you know, it's funny. Examples are tough. Because if you're supposed to be an example, if I'm supposed to be an example, how many times has your example run off the rails? How many times has your example as a father run off the rails and you were no example at all? Other than maybe being the example of the thing Mary rode when she was heading to Bethlehem. Yes? Everybody just go, come on guys, do it. What do you do when that's your example? What do you do when the Holy Spirit catches you and you're acting like Mary's donkey? There's a joke about repent. I want to tell it really bad, but I'm not going to. Because you won't laugh. You own up to being a donkey to your children, to your wife, and you say, I'm sorry, that was wrong. Okay, thank you, Darren. Appreciate it. Obviously, Darren and I are in simpatico here. The rest of you are perfect. Never mind that example. So let's recap just for a moment. Joseph was a loving man. He was a loving man toward his wife, toward his son, toward his family. Secondly, he was a devout man. He was a devout man of obedience and faith and being faithful in his spiritual duties. Finally, he was also a wise man. I know the wise men came to the manger, right? I know that. But Joseph was a wise man too. See, nothing. Just nothing. Now listen to me carefully. Joseph was wise because he lived as one who redeemed the time. By all accounts, it seems that Joseph had a shortened life. We don't read of him after Jesus' childhood. We don't hear a peep about him. And at the cross, Jesus charges not Joseph, but John with the care of his mother. 
So it seems that Joseph was taken away from his family and out of the scriptural uh, documentation prematurely. But Joseph had used what time he had been given honorably. He used that time wisely. He had provided for his family, yes. He had set an example for them that, that they would remember, yes. He had raised them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Jesus was not the only child Joseph had. Sometimes we forget that. He raised other boys for the Lord also, and possibly daughters as well. He had other, uh, he had other sons, two of them at least, that were greatly used by God. He, they, they have books named after them, uh, James and Jude. So Joseph, Joseph's offspring were at least we know of some besides Jesus who were greatly used. One of those reasons would have been because Joseph used his time wisely and he put into those children. There was that time where his Jesus' brothers thought he was absolutely looney tunes. There was that. But the reality is, is that Joseph, in conjunction with his wife, undoubtedly put enough in them early to recognize when God showed up. James was even the leader of the church in Jerusalem, for that matter. Joseph raised his children in ways of the Lord, and he left behind him a legacy, spectacular legacy. Now, fathers, dads, none of us know just how much time we have left with our children. With our families, we don't know. You may have a year. You may have two years. You may have five years. Nobody knows, with one exception, God knows. Or, if you're being really, really annoying to your wife, she may know how much time you have left. You see, I don't trust you guys. I think you laughed just out of pity there. I don't trust y'all at all. Well, the question is this. Are we redeeming the time like Joseph did? I, that's a question that I'm genuinely asking myself, encouraging our families at every opportunity. Wow. Right now is one of those times where I need, like on the commercials, the easy button. Yeah? Mm. Encouraging our families at every opportunity. Setting an example. Easy button. Providing for their needs. Easy button. I mentioned that verse early, 1 Timothy 5 and 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Some say, oh yes, I provide for my family. And I do. I provide for my family. But they only say that. And this is where those guys in that poll who say that they, they can be replaced by the mother or by another man, this is where some of these guys come out. Yes, I provide for my family, but what they're meaning is I'm putting a paycheck on the table, I'm padding the bank account so that they can eat and have a place to live and have clothes and all that stuff. But what about the other provisions of life? What about the other things like affection? Do you hug your kids? My kids hug me, 
And at their size, it's getting dangerous. It's funny. I love it when Tanner hugs me. I love when Tanner hugs me. There is only one kind of sketchy side effect. The sun blots out, and it's like, oh, where am I? You know, it's one of those, but it's, they're the best hugs in the world because, you know, it's just, it's just awesome. I love it when he hugs me. Affection. What about an example? Like I said, your example. How, what, how is your example? When you're not up to spec with your example, are you taking care of that? My, 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 my sons have gotten so good with um, when I'm going to turn around and apologize I do something like I might maybe I get upset or something like that and they're kind of like this. And then it's like there it is right there. You know, and the apology comes down the pike. So it's one of those things they just know. Godly counsel. Laughter, warmth, loving concern. All these things and so many more. We must provide for our own, gentlemen. Because that's part of our job. Let's be challenged together. This man, Joseph, he kind of inspires me. I'm sure that he wasn't perfect. None of us are, guys. And being not perfect is okay. But staying not perfect by drowning out the, the voice of the presence of Almighty God when he tries to correct you to fix the problems, that's not okay. We need to be the guy who hears when we're wrong. I've told my wife before when we've had um, passionate discourses with one another, what is that saying when you're arguing but you don't want to say you've argued? When we've got into some of, uh, in an argument before, I've told her, I've said, look, honey, I'm going to be honest with you, you'll never have to tell me when I'm wrong because the Holy Spirit doesn't allow me to get away with anything. Trust me, if I do something wrong, I'm coming back to apologize. It may not be immediately, because I may be too dense. Wow, you don't have to laugh, okay? You just don't have to laugh at that. That wasn't a joke. It was facts. But I'm coming back to the apology because if I'm wrong, he's going to tell me I'm wrong. Because he does so frequently. Anyway, I'm sure that Joseph was not perfect, but he was devoted. And he's doing his very best, redeeming the time. This morning, I think what's most important about all this is that we need to realize that guys in our society, despite the fact that we have been told and we have been told and we have been told how uh, uh, the, the effect of masculinity in our society needs to come way down. I think it's important that we understand that, number one, we need to align ourselves with the Word of God in this matter. Okay? We don't need to listen to, cater to, and then pander to the voice that is not the Spirit of God and is not in alignment with God's kingdom as He created it. I think that's imperative. The next thing we need to recognize is that by virtue of the first parents, we are imperfect, gentlemen. And it's okay to be imperfect. It's not okay to stay imperfect. Yes? Amen, says the women. <laughs> it's not okay to stay imperfect. So, 
Maybe this is a really good challenge for us this morning, guys, to retune in our receivers, as it were, to the voice of the Spirit of Almighty God and the truth of what the Word of God says to us. And guys, when we're running that race of imperfection and we're trying to be the one that God has placed in this place on purpose with this woman and these children, maybe we should just realize, look, man, we're not all that and a bag of chips, and we need to get the reality that God is speaking to us and trying to transform us into the image of the Son of God to better fulfill our role. Maybe your wife, like Mary, is the one who gets more press than you do. Guess what? That's okay. Everybody around here likes Melissa more than they like me. That's okay. (laughs) Now I'm laughing at it. (laughs) That's okay. You still have to align yourself with what God has for you in the role He has established. Right, fathers? Amen. Praise God. Can we stand together? God is good. He's really good.